You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. News team, assemble! And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, welcome back. It is another edition of the unofficial 40 podcast brought to you by MidFirst Bank. Go to MidFirstBank.com slash U40 and uh, check out the OU Rewards credit card. We welcome in the entire crew once again. Uh, Josh McQuistian, Eddie Radosevich, Bob Presbillo, and uh, myself, Gary Murdoch here. As uh, we just got finished with the Lincoln Riley teleconference today and uh, NFL draft coming up uh, starting tomorrow on Thursday. So if you're listening to this on Thursday, it's today. Uh, but obviously, uh, you know, a couple of Sooners expected to go. Uh, I I know I've, <laughs> I'm going to kill Chris Plank, by the way, because I saw that he put out something about Jalen Hurts possibly going late first round. Um, I'm going to kill him. And I know he listens to this podcast. I've not heard that one. Chris, you know we I'm going to kill you. hoaxes going around right now in the country. That's the biggest hoax that's out there is the – idea that Jalen Hurts should be a first-round draft Chris pick. Plank, go start your Facebook group now, all right? <laughs> Guys, I, that I is, wish we uh, could put it... That is, that's oh. pretty wild, though, just the... Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if you want to call it, like, making up for lost time or whatever, but, I mean, this idea that Jalen Hurts is, continues to rise up the draft boards, has that has been almost my number one takeaway from the pre-draft uh, build-up for Oklahoma. And by the way, I'm about as excited for the 2020 NFL draft as I've ever been for a draft. It's like you're, it's like the become the Masters, the NBA Finals with the Thunder in it all rolled into one. It's going to be awesome. I mean, and I say that like kind of jokingly, but it's the first taste of sports we've had. I'm cheering for uh, mass chaos. Here's the thing. You know, when and you I, look at Hurts. Go ahead, Bob. The thing about Hurts, what, what did Hurts do? at the combine or pro day that we didn't expect that all of a sudden made him rise up the boards. That's what I'm still trying to figure out. He showed great leadership at the combine. There's absolutely nothing to add to that because he didn't show dick. Um, I, I, I don't understand it. This is the time of year when like tape is usually seeing guys fall. And then you've got PFF putting out things like, Jalen Hurts has a clear path to success in the NFL with his running ability, accuracy, and refusal to turn it over. I, I, I can't. I can't even. Josh, I, don't start I, with I that. swear to God, I, I hope that was a intern or somebody that just threw together a tweet and that wasn't actually, uh, like a a statement based on logic that they reached through watching film. You know what if I mean? If it was an intern, that intern's name was Jalen Hurts. <laughs> well, if it this wasn't is... Jalen, it was somebody with the last name of Hurts. 
It was retributed to a guy named Mike Renner, who is credited as being PFF's lead draft analyst. Uh, PFF is pro football focus for those out there that don't know. Um, Which they do a great job with most stuff. I mean, they it's do. Like, they do. And that was a little, but I, you know, I didn't plan a shit on Jalen Hurts start to this podcast. Uh, I'm going to go check and see if I'm blocked now um, after this podcast. Yeah, we're going to become known as the uh, four people, and I think I already might maybe am, but uh, the, the, the four OU people that just absolutely hated Jalen Hurts. I guess that fits for me, but I don't know about you guys. I, I think you're getting a bad name because you're associated with me. I'm, I'm going to leave the name out of the party involved, but I got a very interesting text message in the middle of the week from a very prominent OU media member that is very much on our side of this thing. I got the same. I got the same. I'm going to guess it's the same person, Carrie. Um, mm, God, I can't. I can't even say something else without outing somebody. So I, that, that's that's where I'm at. There, I mean, like it's a known <laughs> enough name that if I say it, it's it's gonna. It, I, I don't want to put them out there. It was said in private, so I'll leave it there. Um, but yeah, it, I, it got was, blocked, I got blocked by Benny Wiley this week. Yeah, that's I know that's bizarre. <laughs> that's a bizarre block. Like I'm blocked by Spencer Rattler, and I know why that is. Is because I was screwing around with his videos about him, you know, throwing behind the back and stuff, and I was doing redneck guy, and I was like, won't you, won't you focus on something that wins games instead of screwing around. Like, and he took it, like, as I was really, I really felt that way, which I'm fine. It does bring up the question, bring into question whether or not he's going to be a successful quarterback at OU now, but we won't go there. I got to find out. I, I yeah. looked for Benny Wiley and I searched him and I did not find him. So I'm wondering if I'm blocked. Uh-oh. Too. Although I don't Uh-oh. know. Uh-oh. Josh, you got, you got me in trouble somehow. I'm guilty by association with you now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I dragged you down, Eddie. Mm-hmm. That was me. I'm just mad that I can't go to any of the uh, Wednesday morning Facebook workouts. Or maybe I should. Maybe I should show up to the one next week and say, you can't kick me out of here. <laughs> but then again, I'd have to probably work out. And that probably wouldn't work out for me uh, personally. So, um, I You do enough working out. By the way, you got to carry B, the morning show. Be Wiley sure. Strong. Um, is the name, and I am not blocked, thank God. I'm not blocked either. Okay, I, ju- I literally just found him. I've so, just yeah, gotten was... unblocked from Kale Gundy, so... Whoa! Yes. That is huge news. That's big news. He's not following me, but he unblocked me. Well, before we move on, I will say that this is my public plea. Benny Wiley should probably unblock me. That that is That seems unfair, unless he and it was, you is think taking it was... the job at... Tulsa University, that would be kind of an interesting uh, uh, roundabout. And you think it was just for doing that Photoshop job of you and him and Lincoln in his garage? I mean, that's the only controversial thing. And I don't even, that's not even controversial. That's the only crazy thing that I've done lately. Not like we've been around anybody. So I'm not sure. I, uh, I I thought it was pretty damn funny, though, when I realized that yesterday. Maybe you two can and go. I think it was pretty recent. Maybe you two can go to the nail but salon I, together Friday. I, my cuticles look like shit right now, Carrie. I need to go in. <laughs> I do wish you could go back and find the tweet that got you blocked by people. That is I know. That, that would I be wish. fun, wouldn't it? Yes. 
Oh, well. It happens. It's part of the business. It's part of being a jackass. It's happened to me. No, it's happened yeah, to you. I know that it, it 100% comes. Like, I think that I tagged him in that picture on Instagram, uh-huh. but that wouldn't make sense for me being blocked on Twitter. So, I don't know. Maybe somebody <laughs> tagged him in that picture. I don't. I have no idea. Hmm. I, either way, I thought it was pretty damn funny, and it was a good workout. I enjoyed being around him in Lincoln in the morning. So Maybe he's uh, just... Maybe he's just offended because he saw the video of you, video of you and your defense uh, on that basketball court while you were smoking a cigarette, and he's like, "I can't. I got to block this guy. He's hopeless." That would have been fine. That and and you know what? That actually would be pretty understandable. <laughs> As a health professional, he's just offended by you. <laughs> I think that's probably fair. <laughs> All right. So we did talk to Lincoln Riley today. Um, and it was it was a pure draft. It was a it was a let's say it was twenty five minute teleconference. He was driving. You could hear his windshield wipers in the background. Uh, we've been getting a little rain, a little bit of hail uh, here in Oklahoma City, the uh, metro, and so he didn't have a lot of time. And it was all business about the draft. So Bob, let's start with you since we never let you talk. Uh, your takeaways, your just one takeaway from it that you that really stood out to you. I mean, I guess we'll stray away from the usual names, and I didn't know that Lee Morris was going to be brought up, but that might have been the most enlightening answer of the 25 minutes, just talking about how many people within NFL circles have been asking him about Lee and what OU did to make Lee so successful, and could that continue at the next level? And it seems pretty clear that if it's not at receiver, and I'm not sure if it would be special teams seems like a clear calling for Morris where he could play years and years and years doing just that. I, I don't, I still don't think he'll be one of the names picked Thursday through Saturday, but he'll be one of the first names when that final draft is selected in terms of those undrafted free agents. And there's no doubt that in my mind, if he gets a chance, he's going to make a count and he's going to make a roster. Somebody's got to like him as a receiver in order for him to get drafted. I mean, you're just not going to get drafted for being a, a potential special teams guy, um, as you know, when when you're not a kicker or a punter. So, I, and look, I mean, you look, you put on the tape, you watch him. The guy, all he did for a couple of years was score touchdowns. Uh, he wasn't as present in the offense with Jalen Hurts, although uh, he started to you know catch more and more balls as the season went along. But there's no doubt. Uh, he was a he was a much bigger part of the offense when Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray were behind center. Uh, but I mean, God, has anybody made more plays? You, you you think of all the people that have played in this offense and been drafted, whether it's Mark Andrews or uh, Sterling Shepard or you know Deedee Westbrook, Ceedee Lamb. Like he he he's right up there with those guys in terms of touchdowns and production. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, he seems like he's the type of guy, too, that you're not going to have to worry about, obviously, off the field. I I think that him showing up and doing his job is kind of the last thing that you have to worry about with Lee. I mean, he's going to do it. And, you know, I I, I think it's interesting, too, that he made a lot of plays. Like, going back to look at how many tackles he actually made on uh, kickoff coverage and stuff, uh, It's I I think he's going to have to go to somebody, though, that is going to have to be like, we like you. Uh, yeah, and obviously, if, if you're going to get drafted, they like you. But they're going to have to seek him rather than 
than him being offering something that is just incredibly gifted, if you will. That makes sense. Well, and I thought, you know, the other thing, um, you know, that just off the top, you know, Lincoln was asked about CeeDee Lamb, or not off the top, but one of the, you know, he was asked about CeeDee Lamb and one of the, uh, I, I think one of the, you know, things that people talk about in terms of is he the first pick in the draft is, you know, can he be a better route runner? I think that's something he's kind of been knocked, you know, for a little bit. Uh, Lincoln was asked about comparing him to Jerry Judy and, he said he didn't want to do that just because he doesn't coach Judy, so he can't really speak uh, on how he does that. But um, you know, as far as Lincoln you know, was concerned, I mean, he didn't seem to uh, back down from from saying that you know he doesn't see a problem with route running or that that's going to cost him any any kind of a draft position. Thanks, guys. Thanks for your support. <laughs> I was going to let Josh chime in. But, yeah, I mean, when, when you watch Lamb, I, I, I never thought route running was a big detriment to him. I didn't think it was something that he, like, just failed at. I mean, what was interesting with him was just how much better he became once he had the ball in his hands. I, I didn't know. I knew he could high, high point a ball. You've seen that enough. So the competitive catch was not going to ever be a thing. You're going to wonder about Lamb. But when he started taking – two yard screens and make them into seven to seven, five yard touchdowns. That's a part of his game. I didn't think existed. And that's where I felt he went over the top. You add in the way that he loves blocking and he's good. He's good at it. I, I feel he'll be the first receiver to come off the board. And my only question is how high does he eventually get to someone try to trade up to get him, or does he fall somewhere in the lower uh, teens? You know, the funny, the fun thing about CeeDee Lamb is the fact that I, I think that everybody kind of agrees is he's gotten so much better every year. He's taken that step that you kind of expected him to take, whether it be, you know, getting bigger from his freshman to sophomore year or uh, improving on yards after the catch uh, from his junior to uh, or sophomore to junior year to now. It's 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 been fun. And I was going back and looking through uh, some of the high school tape that Josh was able to get. Uh, going all the way back when he was still at Richmond. And to see the progression that he's made, I would have to think that his best football, and I know it's cliche to say, but his best football is ahead of him. I, I think he could be a guy, and I, I don't think it's crazy to say, and we kind of said it going into last year, was I think he's the best wide receiver to play at Oklahoma. I think he's going to have the best yeah. career when it's all said and done in the NFL. I mean, I think he could be a multiple-year Pro Bowl perennial big time name on that stage type guy and to see where he's grown is just, it's kind of incredible. I'm going to uh, put together some highlights and stuff and we'll run those throughout the day on Thursday on uh, we'll, we'll throw them on the board and we can throw them on Twitter as well. Uh, and Facebook on sooner scoop uh, just kind of seeing how much he's taken or how far he's come. It's uh, it, it's incredible. He's, he is, I think everything that you could have wanted and then maybe then some, as far as the type of player that Oklahoma originally thought they were getting when they signed him. It's interesting. Is, if, is he, if you look he, at the, uh, if you look at the, I'm sorry, Bob, you didn't talk before. I'm talking over you now because somebody's <laughs> got to talk. Uh, if you look at the history of receivers, even in just the state of Oklahoma, include Oklahoma State, because they've had some great college receivers. Start with Rashawn Woods, uh, Justin Blackman, uh, Des Bryant. Um, I mean, I, 
I don't want to go. I mean, Hartley Dykes is so old school. You guys probably don't care. Um, but then you go to Oklahoma and Mark Clayton and, uh, you know, all the receivers that they've had recently, Sterling, D.D., uh, um, Marquise Brown. And, you know, you've had all these receivers, yet none of them for either school. And look at the guys at Texas has had the, you know, the Roy Williams and Lima Swedes and all those guys. Like, none of those guys have become like a DeAndre Hopkins or a Julio Jones. Like, uh, n- nobody locally with all the great All-American receivers, even Bolitnikoff w- winners, nobody's gone on to the NFL to even be like Jordy Nelson. Like, they just haven't had that no. superstar NFL guy. To me, like you said, Eddie, you think he's the best receiver that's ever played at Oklahoma. I do too, and I think he's going to be the best receiver that we've ever seen from this state at the NFL level. I, I think he could be a DeAndre Hopkins-type player in the NFL. Do you, no, uh, you I, think I he'll ahead. be a number one receiver right out the gate? Yes. I mean, he's going to be drafted. If or, he goes, to, say he goes to the Raiders, he's their guy. I mean, he's he's the best receiver yeah. that they have on their roster. You know, the more I look at it, and I think that's a good question, Bob, because I think it, it's obviously situational. I mean, if he goes, if somehow he right. was to end up with the Cardinals, which I think is a long shot at this point, but, you know, like you look at a situation like the one that I think makes a lot of sense would be good for him is Denver. You've got a young quarterback. You've got a, a wide receiver opposite, opposite him and Cortland Sutton that I think would be a really good fit between the two of them. Um, kind of similar skill sets, but that, you, that way you can kind of flip the field with either one of them, do some different things. But, you know, I think that situation would be nice because it would give CD a little bit of time. Because really, if you think about it, in his college career, CD spent one year as the guy. I mean, you know, he he was kind of, you know, Robin to uh, Marquise's Batman as a sophomore. I mean, and it's obviously as a freshman, he was just kind of getting his feet under himself. So I think that might ease the transition a little bit. But I mean, I'm not here to doubt that CD Lamb could handle being the number one for somebody if he needed to be. Now, is he going to be a Pro Bowl number one, you know, like a Calvin Johnson type number one his first year? Heck no. That, that, that's not going to happen. But I, I would say, you know, outside of a few options of guys like Chase Young, stuff like that, I think CeeDee Lamb and Kenneth Murray are about as surefire quality NFL players as you can find in the first round. I mean, like those guys, I don't have any reason to doubt that, you know, they, they may not, I don't know if they'll be superstars like, you know, Kerry mentioned Hopkins. I think they both could be. But if you were just going to say these guys are going to be ten-year pros, pick five, uh, you know, out of this first-round group, I would say both those two would probably work their way into my five. I think they're both going to be very good NFL players. And the thing we've talked about with CD over the years is going from good to great to elite. And I think you guys talked about the jump that he's made this year. You look at you know the plays that he made against LSU, where he was just the best player on the field at receiver. Uh, you look at the, the the run he had against Kansas State uh, when they needed a big play. Uh, look at the stuff he did against Texas. I mean, that, that was ridiculous elite-level stuff. And even Baylor in the Big 12 championship game when he broke that play down the sideline eventually got caught. But we saw flashes of that type of CeeDee Lamb his sophomore year. But his junior year was like every game. It, it was frustrating at times because he didn't get the ball enough. But every time he did get it, his you know electricity to catch ratio was like like eighty percent. 
Oh, I mean, you look at the Kansas State game. I mean, he was the spark that caused that whole comeback to Oklahoma to even have a chance, and that was everybody was so down at that moment that I think people forget what an unbelievable play that was on that catch and run against Kansas State where he it may have been better than his scores against Texas. He had no business scoring on that play, especially with a team that looked, you know, dead walking at that point in the in the game. You know, it's funny that we're talking about how, how well CD can do. And, you know, Kerry, you mentioned uh, – I don't want to say the lack of success, but there just haven't been a whole lot of guys to come out of Oklahoma and have a ton of success at the NFL level. Uh, you know, I, I think Mark Clayton probably is in there. Kenny Stills, obviously, uh, he gets overlooked a yeah, lot. but he really does. We're almost kind of it's we're looking at like the 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 renaissance of the OU wide receiver in the NFL between or at least the pass catcher, I guess, between uh, you know you can throw Mark Clayton. I mean, uh, Mark Andrews in there certainly right now. Uh, D.D. Westbrook, Marquise Brown. Uh, CD's about to be in that group. And then, you know, obviously you look at the the talent that they have on campus and uh, it's easy to see why they've had so much success offensively. And that's a pretty obvious statement. But, you know, as a whole, it, it really isn't something that has happened a whole lot in Norman. I didn't even mention Malcolm Kelly and Adarius Bowman. Remember those two? Going head-to-head along with, uh, what's his name, uh, Jordy Nelson. They were, uh, Jordy Nelson, Malcolm Kelly... Darius Bowman all in the Big 12 at the same time. You, you think it's Jordan no question Nelson. that CD will be better than a, than a Des Bryant? No. Des is really That's good. tough. I mean, I think they actually have fairly comparable games, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, uh, they're very, to me, they're very similar. Man, can, mm-hmm. can CD mm-hmm. get that big? I just remember thinking Des Bryant is <laughs> no, massive. He is, like, he's one of those guys. Like it, it, it feels like is this racist moment, but there are certain people that you, you your only comparison is to an animal, to a horse. Like when you see certain athletes, and like that was Des, always Des Bryant to me. Like he's not he's he's not even human, and Kenneth Murray's yeah. kind of that way too. He was one of those guys that started that trend, and I mean it's still there to a degree, but it's died off a little bit where it was guys playing receiver that almost look like running backs. I mean, they're just so big and powerful. Um, there was that guy that Dallas had for a couple of years. He was good for like three or four years, and he just kind of fell off the map. Um, and I can't remember what the hell his name was. I mean, obviously, I'm, Dez was with the Cowboys too, but it was a different guy. But there was this whole run in the NFL there where you had these big kind of burly guys. Kind of started with Anquan like said, Bolden. Yeah, yeah, he's a good example of what I'm talking about, absolutely. Oh, the last, I mean, the, the, if kind of what you're describing, Josh, it reminds me of the kid up at uh, Seattle right now. Um, uh, oh, what's his name? Kid from Old Miss. Just, they got drafted last oh, Metcalf. Uh, uh, yeah, DJ Metcalf. Metcalf. Yeah. 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 Just the, the, I mean, like I said, I mean, there's no reason for a dude to be built like that. Metcalf always reminded me, you know, and I, Eddie and Bob may not remember this guy. I know, Carrie, you will. He reminds me of David Boston. Yeah, like mm-hmm. when Boston was just mm-hmm. freakishly large and came out of Ohio State and was so good and then got even bigger once he hit the pro ranks. I think at one point he was playing at like 245 or something in the NFL at receiver, and that's just insane. Were you thinking of Miles Austin, the Cowboys that, receiver? Yeah, I think that is who I – yeah, I think that's right. And what happened? Cause I, I didn't even think about it when I started that comment. Like, I don't really know what happened to him. Like, he had a got few, his teeth fixed. <laughs> ironically i think he uh or no, i guess it's not ironic but 
I actually know what happened to him. I think he's just living in Dallas, working in the the business world. He got a bunch of money, he, and then he just faded away. It was one of those deals. Like he got that big contract, and it was like he just wasn't wasn't a deal anymore. He's just hosting party events for Cowboys running backs and quarterbacks and stuff. Only during pandemics. It's it's a sure. uh, real niche market. <laughs> <laughs> um. I, that's the other thing. Like I, you know, Kenneth Murray. I think we all, we've all seen. I think everybody agrees he'll be a first round pick. To me, that's one guy. Like, I wonder for Kenneth Murray because it's taken him so many steps to get here, where he is now. Like, could he be a guy that has trouble adjusting to the NFL? Man, I mean, you you see all these uh, the the national guys. You see whoever they talk about, uh, or whoever talks about Kenneth Murray. I I feel like there's so much expectation, or such a high expectation for him. If he wasn't a you know, I don't want to put a year number on it, but if he didn't have a really good career, there's going to be a lot of people that are really surprised, and I think I include myself in that group of people that thinks. Kenneth Murray's about to have a really nice NFL career. Oh, I heard Daniel Jeremiah talking. You know, he was like kind of what I was saying earlier. I mean, and I won't deny that Jeremiah's thoughts kind of weighed into mine, but he was like, you know, this is a guy that you you can be sure you've got a 10-year pro here. This isn't just a guy that's going to come in, flame out, or have a couple good years for you and then do, you know, kind of fall away, like we are just talking about with Miles Austin, you know, get, get a little money and kind of fall apart, but – that's just not, you know, the way NFL teams see him being wired and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I've never seen anything from Kenneth that would make me think he I, he wants this. And, I, you know, like people have said, he's one of those guys that has seen some things in his life. I think a lot of these guys, they've never, uh, you know, they've never, I don't know, faced adversities the right way, but they haven't seen real life stuff. He's seen real stuff. And that just, I don't know. Those guys tend to, for whatever reason, they just seem to be able to adapt a little quicker than others do. I saw that it, uh, Dave Archer, he does the Sirius XM show on the College Channel. Uh, I've, I guess, gone on with him a couple times in the morning. I, I think you have as well, Kerry. Uh, he compared him to a smaller Brian Urlacher. If he can have half the career that Brian Urlacher had, yeah. I think things will work out just fine for him. Who the hell's that? Bob, thoughts? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Erlocker, he is a great one. I mean, I tell I think of Murray. Whenever you, you talk to him, you just you come away feeling like this dude gets it. You know, his head is on straight. He's and but then the film didn't always translate to that. He, even in 2019, I don't know what happened during that middle part of the season where he kind of disappeared to Iowa State, to Kansas State, like that little three four four game stretch that's why he wasn't up for the butkus that's why he didn't make Mm -hmm. the finalist there because he still disappeared just a bit for regrouping and dominating going down the stretch and making those highlight real plays but he i mean when you hear him talk you believe in everything he says but there's still a part of me that sometimes it doesn't produce on tape what you're hearing coming out of his mouth do you guys ever want to ask Kenneth Murray why he does his hair like he's in that movie Life with uh, Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence? I don't think I've ever noticed it. 
Yeah, the way he parts it, like he looks like he's he's in the 1930s. Now I have to look um, up Kenneth Murray because I can't even picture it. Now I do want to say for all those out there looking for things to watch during the pandemic, if you haven't seen Life, watch Life. Life is really a truly great. Movie. You 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 recommending Life or watch? I love Life. I love. Oh, it. I think yes. it's a great movie. Yeah, it's a good life. it's a good yeah. movie. Uh, the whole can't get right character though makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> well, it's one of those things where I don't know that you and I years can ago. make those jokes <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and the, and the, and the yeah, so, he's really good at baseball a though. <laughs> so he has that. <laughs> <laughs> you want to eat that cornbread? Well, see, that might oh, be racist, no. Bob. Um, yeah, that was yeah, racist. We're going to need the fact checker on this. <laughs> who knew play. that Bob would be the one that got public outrage I, coming out of this it's pod amazing. today? Like, guys, I don't know about you, but that's the most normal I've felt in a while. We have, we have an official, is this racist segment. That's that's great. <laughs> yeah, you can tell the state's getting back open. We're getting back to normal. Everybody feels exactly. good. Wow. Bob's getting Wow. Bob's getting comfortable. Wow. All right, moving on from Kenneth Murray. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I do before, want to say on, Before on Bob Murray, n- nicknames thought... him can't get right. Okay, let's let's move on. <laughs> real, real quick on Kenneth Murray before uh, we move on. I, I did think that what you asked uh, Lincoln was interesting, Carrie, and that, you know, and it's something that we've kind of talked about. Bob wrote about it on the teleconference recap up on the site. This is an important draft for not just uh, Kenneth Murray, but I think it's really important for Alex Grinch, uh, Brian Odom, Roy Manning, whoever you want to say on that new staff on the new side of the or the 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 second year guys as far as being able to go out and sell that on the recruiting trail to guys. It's important for Kenneth Murray to go in the first round yeah. and be able to. And and I thought that was something that, in a way, you know, Riley when he talks to the media, he's he's using it to a certain extent to pitch a recruiting message and i think that you're going to see that a lot over the next 24 uh 48 even probably 72 hours uh you know going on into the weekend that uh you know first year of what they're going to call speed d or whatever was not only a success but imagine what you could do uh and when you recruit better uh when you get better athletes on the field or on 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 campus uh, I, I think that's going to be fascinating to see the way, which way they spin that. And it's not really a spin job as much as the way that they're able to sell that over the weekend because you're not able to recruit right now in a normal fashion. Well, and it was, so was, it was interesting. Was a, Go ahead, Bob. Was that a shot at Kerry Cooks or Parnell Motley with Lincoln Riley saying nobody would have thought that this guy could have got selected coming out of the – I I took it as just him kind of marveling in his growth and how far he's come. Yeah, I, I, absolutely, that's fair. But I, you know, it it was also interesting because someone asked him, like, you know, who could you see continuing, the, you know, this NFL draft trend on, you know, in the future, and Lincoln wanted nothing to do with that because you're basically asking him, so who else is going to leave early next, like. That's just not something you want to get into, but you if you that's something that we do, and obviously I know Josh, you're probably gonna, uh, I mean, you've banged the drum more than anybody. You probably look at OU's defense right now and say Ronnie Perkins is that guy that really has a chance 
to maybe be a special draft pick for this defense. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing is if this was like a one-off where Murray and Gallimore are going to get drafted on, you know, day one or day two, and then you don't have anything for a couple years, it's kind of hard to be like, oh, no, it's coming. You know, it's it's and it's not that it's wrong. It's just that's tough to sell to recruits because they, they live for what's happening right now. Um, but at the same time, when you've got guys like Perkins, you've got a guy like Jalen Redmond, you've got some pieces on that defense that – can be that guy at some point in the future I, I i think you have to feel pretty i mean guys we we forget about Jaden davis and how good yeah. he was the first half of last year uh but it was I, only I the first he, half if, yeah like i don't know if he hit a wall i don't know what it was but i mean there's still reason to believe that guy's going to be a very good player for oklahoma so um you know that didn't change over that short a period so like I said, there are pieces there I like. I mean, we all know, and I don't think he's a high draft pick. I love Turner Yell. I think he's the kind of player that mm-hmm. other players are going to like because he's 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 a big hitter. He's explosive. He wants he's in the middle of everything all the time. I mean, I I think that's something that you can tell recruits. Watch this guy. Look how funny he is. And imagine you at six two, two hundred pounds, and what you could do in that role. You know those kind of things. But yeah, R- Ronnie Perkins to me is the guy you definitely circle and say, this is our next guy. His problem, though, is going to be if he has a great year, he's missing five games if the season plays out, you know, as normal, which is, we all know, is highly unlikely. But it's like, so he's going to play half a season and then become a first-round draft pick? It's hard to see that happening. And, And to me, is that the best or worst thing for Oklahoma? Like, there's part of me that says they can maybe sell him on coming back because yeah. get some time away from the off-field trouble, have a full season on tape, do all this stuff. The 2021 team looks like it could be OU's best group in a bun- in, a, in a while. Like, there's reason you can sell him on that. But, I mean, you know, I, I also understand the kid, you know, you tell him, oh, well, you'll only be a second-round pick. Well, how much do I make? Well, you're going to make a couple million dollars a year. Uh, okay, I'm probably going to go do that. Yeah. Well, in you know, I think, you know, one of the things that that kind of intrigues me, too, about the defense is just knowing how much Alex Grinch loves him and his career's kind of been interrupted, but I really want to see what Trey Norwood does because he's gotten a little bit bigger. Uh, You know, he's going to be healthy when the season starts, whenever that is. Even if it started like it's supposed to, he should be healthy. Like, he could be one of those guys that really becomes the biggest playmaker on that defense from the nickelback spot. Do you think he sticks well, at and arguably at a position that they need some help at? I don't think there's any doubt about that. Go ahead, Josh. What was that? I said, do you think he sticks at nickel? Like that, yes. That's my, yes. Okay. I okay. mean, Alex Grinch like loves him at nickel. Like it's, he is like, I don't want to say infatuated, but it's clear. I think Bob and Eddie would back me up when he talks about Trey Norwood. Like, he gushes about him. He goes on and on forever. And, like, not having him at nickel last year and getting hurt, like, he was crushed when he got hurt. Yes. So, it's a, it's like he – there's a really – it's not weird, but there's a really strong connection that Grinch feels toward Norwood as his nickelback, as his starting nickelback. Is it safe to call and that Alex's first row bromance? I think it is safe, yeah. Yeah, I was going to – I was going to say, I don't think it was a fact that he just hated everybody else in the secondary that much that he wanted Norwood to be healthy. 
as much as it was he really thought that Norwood could be a guy that could help him. Like he, I remember it was like one of the first times that we ever talked to Alex Grinch, even going back into the spring of last year. And Trey Norwood was like one of the first names that he brought up when it came to the secondary. Yeah. And obviously, because he's focused on the secondary, he might be one of the first names that came up. But uh, he loves the possibility of what they could do with Trey Norwood in this defense. I I completely agree with Kerry. There's there's two guys on defense that to me fit where Neville Gallimore was heading into this year, and it's either got to do it now or it's never going to happen. It's Trey Brown and Caleb Kelly. Those are two guys I've been waiting to be superstars. Now Kelly will be a redshirt senior. Trey Brown will be a senior. I mean, these are guys. I think they they could be draftable guys, but they need to make the leaps, and I I, I think they can. But we'll just have to see it first, I, especially a healthy Kelly under this defense. Can it can someone finally bring out the best in him and understand where they need to put him so that he can be the best player possible? Yeah, I, I mean, that's just such a mystery. What Caleb Kelly's going to look like, how he's going to be, how, where he's going to play. And, and is he going to excel? Because. I mean, it was kind of interesting. You know, they played him so much last year. They weren't afraid to play him. And I wouldn't say that we saw much bad, but we didn't see a lot good. I mean, it wasn't like he was clearly a guy that they wanted out there, but it wasn't like a guy that was just making a huge difference because he was out there. So, um, Outside of that, you know, we talked a little bit about Neville, but I, it was weird because Lincoln wasn't asked about Neville today, and I think it was more he would have been if it hadn't been such a short press conference, and it was probably our fault as a media pool that you know he wasn't asked directly. But I think he's he's just the biggest oddity in this draft for Oklahoma because, and we've talked about this before, he's just all over the map, and and I know Josh didn't see this because Ian Rappaport tweeted it, and he's blocked by Ian Rappaport. <laughs> But, uh, you know, he had a video of him slamming a basketball and dribbling, showing off his handles and stuff like that. And it's kind of one of those things like that's Neville Gallimore. Like he's very athletic. So why aren't more people talking about him? I I didn't. And I was going to say earlier, that's, you know, we were talking about, you know, that's the business. You get blocked by people. The only person of real note that I've been blocked by is in the business. So whatever, but um, say something bad about Baltimore yeah. or something. No, I made what a joke it? about. I made a joke about the Michael Kendricks thing when the he got. He, what, what was the deal? Rappaport reported he was leaving the Browns or going oh, to the yeah. Browns. I can't remember what the, it was. The tax and, problems and, and all then, that. Yeah, and then he went off on him, and I made some joke, and like it was totally like Rappaport has this right, and Mike, you know, he just pissed off about it, and. The, the linebacker didn't block me, but Rappaport did. So I don't know what that was about, but whatever. Um, but no, you know, I, I, I think that's exactly right, Kerry. Like, I mean, I think people fall in love with the flash of Neville Gallimore because he'll show you stuff and you're like, wow, that, that's a first-round dude. But when you look at it, I mean, you look the aggressive style of defense they played in, I mean, he was, I mean, nowhere near Oklahoma's leader in tackles for losses. I mean, like, he, he just – He's not the guy that has consistently put up numbers, even within this defense, that should have been tailor-made for a guy like him. So 
I, I have questions. Like he, he is a guy that I could see being one of the steals of this draft, and he's a guy I could see being out of the league in four years. And Josh, you you mentioned it last week that how concerning is it that he actually only plays better when he doesn't play as much? Is that someone you really want to you know take a second round pick on for someone who I don't want to say he's spot duty, but he kind of is if you you don't feel like you can play him every single down because the more he's on the field, the worse he starts to get. And that was after he'd lost a bunch of weight and trimmed up and, you know, kind of been watched. You know, they were they were trying to get him down to a level they thought worked. But like I said, I he had moments. I mean, like you go back and look at that Texas film, now that's first round pick. Like, I mean, he was so dominant that day. And then there was times in both the Baylor games where I thought he was really, really good. But I mean, we talked about Kenneth Murray having a three game stretch where he kind of vanished. I mean, there were points when you were like, Well, okay, and, and I do want to say there were a lot of times when Gallimore would create pressure and somebody else would get the benefit of what he'd done. Like, I'm not saying he's not a Ronnie not Perkins a good was a big beneficiary of, exactly. of stuff he did. Yeah, exactly. I agree completely. And, and and like I said, so I don't want this to be like I don't think Gallimore's good. I think he can be very very good. He's still like he got better as a senior, but I mean they they talked about it his entire time there. Consistency has always been his battle and. He's going to have to find a way to do that because in the NFL, the margin for error, you have you have one bad play in college, it might be eight yards. You have one bad play in the NFL, and it could be you know the difference in the game. Neville Gallimore finished uh, fourth on the team with seven and a half tackles for loss, but that was he trailed Jalen Redmond, who was third on the team, by four, almost four and a half. So, or yeah, four and a half. So. Uh, just kind of an FYI there. Uh, Kenneth Murray led the team in tackles for loss with 17. Yeah, I mean, Murray was top 15-ish in the country with that 17. I mean, he he had a great year. Um, but I, I also think it should give OU fans some hope that you've got – I mean, now, whenever Perkins gets back and however that plays out with the schedule possibly being weird – um, but you put he and Redmond opposite each other, and that's a lot of pressure created from the outside if you can find somebody inside to keep those guards honest and keep everybody from doubling the life out of those two ends. I'm just trying to think, you know, with Jalen Hurts, CeeDee Lamb, I mean, it is, it's a little odd. You know, throw Lee Morris in there. It's a little odd. To have kind of that small class that with really one ballyhooed guy after having two of the two straight years of, of number one picks, but I don't know. I mean, I think that's probably a good thing though if you have Neville Gallimore going in the second and Kenneth Murray in the first, and then hell, even if you know Piedmont is drafted in the fifth round, it's just like it's. Oh, I, I think it might be good to show that you've had three defensive guys drafted and two offensive guys drafted. I mean, it sends a pretty good message for what Oklahoma... Not that, I mean, you know, not that they, they're they going to get that much mileage out of it because unless you're throwing Chase Youngs out there, that's when it's really going to matter. But, um, yeah, I just... I, at least it's something, though. And, and you know, that that's what we were talking about earlier, what Lincoln was talking about. It's just like, <laughs> how much... How much effort have they put into the the jordan documentary like they just need something to promote and to sell and to you know pimp and 
all that stuff. Like, if, when can you imagine how it, like if you have tweet notifications on for Lincoln Riley during the draft? Like, I'm gonna put the over under at ten of number of notifications I get after Kenneth Murray gets drafted just from Lincoln Riley alone. That shit's I smart though, isn't it? I, I mean, they are over. they are legitimately taking advantage of a free opportunity to promote themselves. I it I think I mean in a way it it's not I wouldn't say it's you genius about the Jordan because stuff? everybody should be doing it. You talking about the Jordan stuff or just the, the, the draft? The Jordan stuff, the NFL draft yeah. stuff. I mean, they're basically taking advantage. It's it's almost a loophole in society because they can't <laughs> recruit normally. And I thought that that was a I thought it was a good question by uh, Kersey today during the teleconference, just as far as like they they are having to find innovative ways, which the governor should love because it's innovative. But they're having to find innovative ways to 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 recruit because they can't bring kids on campus right now. It's literally impossible. I think Lincoln needs to send out tweets from massage parlors Friday. Are those opening, or is it just just haircut places and gyms? And I think it's just salons and uh, nail places and what are they called? Nail salons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Salon by nails. appointment only, or some something like like that. But I I I think it's a really good idea what they're doing. And yeah, I know and it's, it's kind it's... of fun to make fun of, but like I and I don't think that they'll necessarily. Uh, I don't think that the, you know, Caleb Williams, for instance, isn't going to commit because he's tweeting during the draft, but they're just extending their brand. They're extending their reach over everybody. Yeah. It is. Uh, I, I would say that Caleb Williams has had more interactions with Lincoln Riley than for more than any other uncommitted, I'm air quoting, uncommitted kid I've ever seen. Easily. Maybe even Not committed even kid. easily. <laughs> Between the quote tweets, retweets, easily. No question. Do you have Caleb Williams notifications turned on, Bob? I don't, but I have Lincoln Riley one. Okay. So yeah, you see Caleb pop up time. Yeah, time you do. Again, for sure. All right. Uh, well, we talked about you know what it could mean for recruiting. Um, and and I think Josh is like, would you say like Alex Grinch's biggest recruiting win so far is Bryson Washington? Yeah, I don't think there's really any doubt. I mean, there's because there's no other guy that was so clearly him. Like I and I can tell you, like there are guys like Noah Renze that I I can pretty much tell you with confidence that he probably wouldn't have had his offer without Alex Grinch. Like that that was a guy Grinch really liked. So I, I think there are guys that are part of the class because of him, but there are, are – I mean, you know, they they wouldn't have had a chance to be part of the class, I guess would be the way to say it. Um, but Washington is the guy that he really had his fingerprints on. Not only did he went after him, but he was the guy who really recruited him. He he was the centerpiece of it. So, I, I mean – And he – Go ahead, Bob. And he, and he was the, the clear win. Because we all thought he was a, as a token visit for the spring game last year because Washington's going to commit to Texas, so do, it doesn't even matter. We're looking at J- Jacoby Covington and Dante Manning, Ryan Watts. We're like Those were the guys we were eyeing as being 
realistic members of the 2020 class. And lo and behold, it actually ended up being that Washington is the guy and that he makes that call when they're all at the Rangers game and he ends up talking to the entire coaching staff. So what is the, so, you know, say the draft happens, Kenneth Murray, you know, goes with the 25th pick or whatever. He's, I don't even know where he's slotted at right now. Um, what is the best case scenario? I mean, what is the, who are some of the guys defensively recruit wise that are out there that would make you say, okay, they're really, they've really got a chance to turn things around now. Like this is an elite guy that really could change things for Alex Grinch of the OU defense. I would point, and it's a guy that I've kind of been beating the drum for for a while, and there, don't get me wrong, there's going to be some linebackers they have a better chance with, but the guy that I'm going to say this might give them a little boost that they need is a guy named Smail Munden from Georgia. Um, I have been told repeatedly, I mean, he was going to visit the weekend that the shutdown started. So it shut down on, what, Wednesday or Thursday? He was supposed to come in that following weekend. Obviously, that's a huge missed opportunity for Oklahoma. With all the good breaks they had with Caleb and Bryce Foster and some other guys, that's a tough one. But this is a guy that, I, you know, I have talked to people, and I know for myself, I think he's the best linebacker in the country. I think he's unbelievably good um, from a school named Paulding County in Georgia. Um, very long, 6'3", 210, big athletic guy, very much like Murray in that way, um, just kind of a long, rangy guy. So I think they can tell him, hey, you know, we did this with Kenneth, and Kenneth was a guy that was, you know, played some safety in high school. He he didn't have any experience playing Mike when he came in. And you do. You have a linebacker's background. We can plug you in there. We can make you this kind of guy as well. And then I'm sure, and I, I would guess Brian Odom won't do it, but I'm going to guess everybody else in that staff is going to send him that quote that Kenneth Murray had after the Peach Bowl you know, best linebacker coach in the country, Brian Odom, blah, 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 blah. I mean, like they're, they're going to beat him over the head with that thing. And I think Oklahoma has a chance. And our guy Chad Simmons, who is probably more plugged into the state of Georgia than any uh, than any national analyst than any state I'm aware of. Chad Simmons knows Georgia yeah. like the back of his hand. And he, he put out a thing, I, I think it was late last week, kind of ranking the contenders. And I think he had Oklahoma like fourth with Munden behind like you know, in-state Georgia, Auburn, who always is a huge presence in Georgia, and, and it's, I think maybe Florida, I think were the top four. So don't get me wrong, Oklahoma has some hurdles to clear, but if they can get any sort of normalcy in this recruiting where they get four or five official visits out of him, I think Oklahoma will get one, and they've got a chance of that guy. If they can find a way to really, you know, uh, make this Kenneth Murray news work for them right now. Do you, do you get the sense that a lot of schools, at least the bigger schools, they're kind of, is there, is there kind of a push to get kids to commit before everything does open back up so they don't have a chance to take these visits? Oh, I think there's definitely something to that. And, I, and it's not even so that they can't take the visits, because I think the schools know, really with the exception of Clemson and the decommitment of uh, Corey Foreman, which we can get into in a little bit if we want to, uh, the number one player in the country, most schools have come to accept guys are going to take visits, even if they're committed. Like, there's very few exceptions. Really, what's funny enough is the one that is kind of deviating from that is running backs. Usually running backs kind of commit early, and it's over, and it's kind of like quarterbacks. 
So you get that variation. But, I mean, there's no question. Schools are trying to get these kids to commit basically because I think it's like we've talked about with the Caleb situation. They have captive audiences. They have, you know, big-time kid commits to Oklahoma or Ohio State or wherever, you you start – there's so many more guys that are going to notice it because what the hell else are they going to do? I mean, it's not like they're, oh, they missed it because they are watching the NBA playoffs or they missed it because they were doing this. Unless you're watching the last dance or watching the NFL draft over the next three days, there's nothing better to be doing. So it's a perfect time to be getting commitments, and I think it's why you see there's a few schools that are having a lot of success, Ohio State, North Carolina – and USC, and those three, they've all landed a lot of commitments in short areas of time, and I think it's because it's these kids can see it, and then once one guy happens, another domino falls, another domino falls, and it just kind of it builds on itself, even if it's not exactly part of the plan. Can we, you mentioned Ohio State. Can we talk about what you know about Jansen Dunn? Sure, sure. Um, <laughs> I, so, let Go ahead. Just as, as just to start, have you ever heard of a recruiting story like this? Is damn near on my on my scale. This is as close you get to like somebody just making up offers, in in a way. I know it's not as as crazy as that, but have you ever been a part of a crazier recruitment story? The only one I can recall, and Carrie's the only one that's going to remember this name, is Antonio Clay from like two thousand one. <laughs> who committed and decommitted, I believe, five times before he eventually signed with Clemson. Um, and this is all over the course of, like, a couple of months. And there was a one point in time when he had committed to three schools at the same time. Um, I believe there it was, was Oklahoma, I mean, Clemson. But Josh, Vellis Jones was kind of that way, too. Vellis Jones is crazy. Vellis Jones <laughs> is a nutso recruitment. There's no doubt. Um That one I probably try and block because I'm just scarred from it. Because was, it his, like, was it his uncle? Yes, he, okay. he had an uncle that was involved, and it's a whole story. We, we won't bore everybody with that. But Jansen Dunn, um, so Saturday night, and, and there had been, you know, Bob, Bob can probably back me up because I'm sure he heard some similar stuff. There had been some gossip that Oklahoma was making a move, but I didn't think it was serious. Like, I thought, uh, this is right. jockeying, you know, like all that's going on with Ohio State, this feels like something where they're trying to set up a little bit of, you know, excitement something's going to happen because i had been everybody told me ohio state it was ohio state there was no point to worry this is a kentucky guy it made sense like there was no reason to think that 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 wasn't accurate and he's got some connections one of the you know he plays with a seven on seven team sometimes that's based out of dallas group called true buzz um and you kind of thought okay this is uh, this is just nothing and then the eyes went out and i won't lie my first thought was Kendall Daniels. I thought, okay, Ken- Kendall, because he'd had that tweet early in the day where he said something like, plans have changed. And I had talked to Kendall some through the day, and he'd been kind of vague about what it was. Um, I Come to find out later, it had nothing to do with recruiting. It was it was a wholly unrelated conversation. Um, but as I started digging, I'm like, oh, okay, this is Jansen Dunn. Like, and, and I finally got somebody to confirm it, that that's what's happening. Okay, great. So, guys, I had been – the only place we've gone during quarantine is to my in-laws' house because they're basically – they don't leave the house. So the only people that are at risk are them. And they're we're like, if you guys want to come out, we'll come out. So we go out there. So I had been out there that day. And, you know, the girls swam in their pool and, you know, everything's just kind of fine. 
So I am driving home that night, and I, 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 had, I had literally stopped at one point to turn on the notifications for Jansen Dunn because I was like, he's going to commit while we're driving home. I get all the way home and nothing happens. I'm like, huh, that's kind of weird, you know, like because I had been told it was it was going to be before like ten o'clock, and I get home and it's like nine fifteen, and all of a sudden I I don't know if my phone hadn't been sending the alerts. I don't know what nothing happened, and I look at my phone and it's just gone bananas. I've got DMs everywhere. I'm like, and that's that's like the worst sign. Like Tiffany, if she if we're in a movie or something and she hears my phone go off a bunch of times, she's like, what happened? Like she immediately knows. If my phone goes off more than like three times within like 30 seconds, something shitty has happened. And I look at it and I'm like, oh no, this is, this is all changed. It's flipped. And like, you... so basically what I have come to understand is Dunn committed to Oklahoma. And that's when Lincoln Riley set out the eyes. Well, at that point, I guess Ohio State caught wind of what was happening. Again, it's a Kentucky guy that doesn't take long for that news to travel and got in touch with him. And I, there had apparently been, and from everything I am told, this is a legitimate thing, there had been a, a, I guess, the Duns did not know that they had a committable offer. They thought Ohio State was waiting on him and was not pushing, and so they wanted to commit and be done with it, and when he committed to Oklahoma, Ohio State reached out and said, no, we, we, we have a spot for you. And I know people will say, oh, no, Ohio State got scared and they jumped on I had been told by an Ohio State source that I trust a lot that he had an – I mean, like there, there was never any question that, that he was a priority for them. They wanted him. There was never any reason for there to be a miscommunication. But somehow it got messed up, and so he immediately flips to Ohio State because he wanted to commit, he wanted to be done, and Ohio State's where he wanted to go. I talked to some people, and obviously nobody's happy about it. Nobody's happy it played out this way. But at the same time, it's better now than in December. Like, if he'd have been committed for six months and then in December Ohio State gets, you know, like, oh, okay, yeah, we, we do want you. We're going to take you. And Oklahoma has nowhere to go. Now they've got a ton of options. They can go in a bunch of different directions, and they're going to be fine. But the idea that this could have happened to them six months down the road and they're kind of left holding the bill, that would have really pissed some people off. As it is, it's, it's kind of crappy. You didn't want it to go down the way it did, but I, I think everybody's going to, you know, survive it. I don't know. It did a lot of damage to the reputation of the eyeballs. Oh, people stop talking. Twelfth man from Edmund was all over me. Don't you worry. Block that idiot. All right, it's easy. Yeah, that seems like a personal problem, Bob. You just need to mute or block that guy. Yeah, that's on you. All right. Nobody wants to hear about. Nobody will ever hear Bob's twelfth man. Woe is me. Shit again. Okay. It's on you. You block him. Take care of this. It's never to be discussed on the pod again. Ten your own yard, Bob. This is the one the first times it wasn't just him. There were a lot of OU fans that were saying, does this mean OU's falling off? Does this mean the Buckeyes have a better bag, man? It, it, I thought by Monday afternoon when Dunn made it known, everyone had sort of understood what the what the score was. But after I tweeted that, oh, these were the eyes, but they're not, now you just move on that was about as much of a tweet that i've got replies to in a long time so i guess yeah because you name names (laughs) well i guess some you just kind of think people follow it day to day and some really don't and did not see it coming 
Bob, when I saw that, I, it, it, there was definitely a visual meme where I was like, that's a bold strategy, Cotton. Like, I, I, that was going to, woo, I was like, that's going to go bad. I, I kind of thought is. the same thing. Yeah, when I saw that, well, I was I mean, like, that's... I, I did it with Major Burns, Jonah Monheim, and it didn't really do much of anything. So sure. I was like, all right. We start, it, we start getting into names. There have been quite a few uh, eyeball defectors. In the in the line. Well, Bob, you're the official tracker. How many have there been? Is it five? That's what. I'm trying to. Oh, we put. Oh, I, I don't think, think we've ever done this before. Like, we put Bob on the spot, and he wasn't ready. I love it. Yeah, well, I'm trying <laughs> to like the guys who actually didn't commit. Because that's why Jonah Monheim, you had Major Burns, one or two that definitely stand out. I mean, obviously you have mm-hmm. a bunch that decommit and stuff like that, but. I'm trying to think if there's another outside of those two from last year because I thought Major Burns was the very first one that ever scored Lincoln. That didn't the eyes don't matter anymore. Yeah, the p- people. This is your pride that is bothering you with this. College football is not talking about Lincoln Riley's eye emojis and concerned about the value being lost. They don't care. Yeah, nobody gives a shit. Don't care. This is a very it's a it's OU world problems is what it is. Yes, this is and and I get it. It's you being mad that OU lost the commitment, but don't misplace it. Like it's would you rather not know that something is afoot? I mean, because he could just do nothing. And you'd have no idea anything was going on. And this whole thing could have transpired, and you'd never know. And you would have right. nothing to complain about. Or you'd find something else to complain about. Relax. Like, it, it's a cool thing. It builds some excitement. It's a good deal. And th- there, there's no, like, if you wanted to say, if, if I was going to say anything to Riley about how to handle it, I would almost use it as a prod. Like, okay, I'm going to tweet out the eyes if you're going to have this out in the next week the next 10 days otherwise kind of let me know i'll hold off we'll we'll, we'll wait until you're ready because and you can almost you know come back to it like oh you about ready for those eyes you know like i mean you can make it something where it's a carrot you know like the kid like getting the kid moving in the direction you need him to move um rather than okay you told me okay i'm gonna put the eyes out and now we wait you're saying use the eyes from a position of power not a position of desperation Yep. That that I mean, I, like you don't have it's to like, do it that way. But I mean, I, if that's the that's the alteration, I you know would. you can't get the girl, so you buy her a lot of expensive jewelry, versus the girl you making the girl earn the jewelry. Exactly. Probably with sex. And then you, but anyway, and then you, so. and then you crush up one of those pills and you give her a drink and wait for like 15 minutes. Oh my God! I don't know what emoji that that uh, that one is, Eddie. Yeah, (laughs) what is the date rape emoji? uh, That's the Bill Cosby. You can put a Bill Cosby picture. (laughs) Nobody do the hey 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 because that will be racist. Don't do that. That's appropriation. (laughs) I don't know about that. What the devil put it, Pop? (laughs) Oh no, Bob doubles down. Bob has been Bob. in quarantine too long. Racist bastard. Bob, Bob is cracking up. <laughs> oh, right. Even I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eddie's first blush on air. Okay. <laughs> you know you done f***ed up when Eddie's embarrassed. 
<laughs> Josh just literally went Burt Reynolds just now. Did you hear that? <laughs> you like that laugh? Yeah. I got that laugh in me sometimes. I, I, I got a lot of variety let me, let me ask you guys. because I don't like my actual laugh. Let me, let me ask you, Josh uh, and Bob and, and Carrie, just as far as recruiting goes, and somebody asked me this on Twitter earlier this week, and I, I really didn't know which way to go with it, but, you know, Ohio State has 17 commits right now. That's incredible to me that they have 17 commits and we're not even to the beginning of May. You look at a school like Oklahoma State, you know how many commits they have right now in the 2021 class? They have one commit. Yeah. Ohio State's doing something special right now. They really are. It's it's special's it, a word for it. I mean, it's hard to. I mean, see, you yourself are <laughs> you just said it. I mean, you're implying there's something going on. I, Ooh, you're Josh right. Heard it's something. not fair to. It's not fair to make that implication. No, I, and I haven't. But, man, it's really weird that nobody else is having this success. I mean, not Alabama, but you know, the other Georgia. The, the only other school in the country that is is North Carolina. Yeah, they're doing well. Yeah, and, and I mean, you but know, you know what? Uh, Brewster's not even there anymore. Ohio State was like the first school to cancel their spring game. Like, it does. it's like, did they know something? Like, how this was going to help them? With recruiting, if they just got rid of spring football, well, yeah, maybe they had a know, plan ready because they knew it's like, all right, we're not going to act like this is going on. We know it's shut down, and here's how we're going to attack it. And guys, you know, people always bring up the Ohio State example when they want to compare, you know, what Oklahoma does with recruiting, and you know, they should recruit like Ohio State does, blah blah blah. And I say it every time: Ohio's in-state talent changes that ability. They have seven commitments from within state lines, and one, I believe five of those guys are four stars. So uh, one is a five star. So, I mean, it allows you, when you get those kind of commitments, okay, we need, we've got three linebacker spots. Okay, one's already taken by the in-state kid. All right, well, now we can go lean on this kid from Pennsylvania or lean on this kid from Florida. Whoever, wherever it is they're going, it makes it easier because you already have a few spots taken and you can kind of tell these guys, hey, man, it's at a premium. We, we're going to be first come, first serve between you and four other guys. So if you want to do it, you better do it. And, and, that's, and that's, you know, that's why the Alabamas and the Georgias can do the same thing. But people don't think of Ohio like that. Ohio has a lot of really good football players. So th- they can do similar stuff. And like I said, when you have Jack Sawyer at defensive end, who's I think the number three or four player in the whole country, that makes it easier to lean on Tunmiche Adelier. I mean, it, that that it just allows those things to happen. And then, I mean, obviously, I don't want to just say it's that when you're producing top five defensive ends every single friggin' draft, and you know, a uh, an elite top ten corner every other year. That's that's pretty easy to recruit to. I mean, that, that's a lot of sales you can make. So I don't want to make it sound like it's not deserved. Ohio State's done plenty to be worthy of recruiting this kind of talent. But so have a lot of other schools, and nobody else is doing what they're doing right now. Man, that's a lot of USC. USC is on a nice run too, which I never I, saw coming. I, I mean, I, you know, I've never seen people jump on the sinking ship, but I mean, that's cool. Whatever. <laughs> um, 
I, uh, and he made some nice hires. I mean, Clay Helton has done some things to make that staff better. I mean, including um, uh, Todd Orlando. I mean, that, that's that's a nice hire. Um, you know, there are things you can do there that make sense, but I just don't. I I, I can't figure out why. I mean, it, like we might as well get into it a little bit. Corey Foreman decommitting from um, uh, from Clemson, a long time commitment. And or not a long time, but two or three months now. Is he the one that had the tattoo? Yes, got a Clemson tattoo on his forearm. And the word is is that USC. If if he was picking today, it'd probably be USC. And I like I get it. The random three star or four star from the LA area that wants to go to USC and that sort of thing. Corey Foreman can go anywhere in the country, and he's going to pick USC that is teetering on collapse. And I, I. I don't understand it. That just, I, I think you're getting caught up in the wrong stuff. And he trains with a guy whose kid plays at USC. So there's some mixed motivations there that you wonder about. Unless, unless they're just telling kids after they, um, God, I, I'm blanking on their coach's name. Helton. 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 Unless they're just telling kids as soon as they leave Helton's office yet, yeah, like, yeah, um, if he's not the coach, don't worry. Graham Harrell's going to take his job. Like, yeah, yeah. I'd rather have Graham Harrell as my head coach than Clay Helton right now. I'd totally be fine with that. Um, but I, to connect it to, uh, there's a reason I brought it up. Sorry. Um, I have talked to a few people, and and Oklahoma is going to try and get involved in the Corey Foreman pursuit. Um, I don't know how far it will take them. I mean, that you know, they are. With Jamar Cain kind of leading the way, they're starting to try and grow that presence again in California. I, I don't think there's any question they have seen that as something they've lost sight of. And Bob and I have talked about it in the pod. I mean, that used to be you could count on two or three California kids every year in Oklahoma's class, and that has not been the case over the last three or four years. And I think they are trying to fix that, and he was a big part of that. Um, so they're, they're going to work on Foreman. If, would I rule out an official visit? No, I think that's possible. Do I think Oklahoma is going to be a true contender at the end? Probably not. But, you know, I, I think it it shows you that Oklahoma has enough confidence to go in and try to work on these. And I know they're working on JT Tuamalo from uh, the, the Washington area. That is, um, I he is a guy um, that I could, I could see Oklahoma getting in the situation there because – his mother plans to move to the Southwest. Uh, I believe it's Amarillo. I, I can't remember. Somewhere West Texas um, after he signs because she's got a bunch of family in the area. So there is, you could make some sense of that. I mean, if you really wanted to get down the road. But, uh, you know, Oklahoma's kind of late to the race. We'll see what happens there. But I'm told that Lincoln Riley, Jamar Kane, I mean, really Alex Grinch, the whole staff is really involved there. And thinks, you know, maybe a visit could happen. I would say um, make sure you take him on a tattoo parlor uh, tour. Show Maybe yeah. maybe show some cover-up options from that Clemson tattoo. He's the same guy John Flynn used. <laughs> what? John Flynn, the Just former the- offensive lineman? No, no. Tiger King watchers will oh, get that reference. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I'll be fair. 
I saw Tiger King, and my first thought was former OU offensive lineman John Flynn. I was like, that's a weird reference, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is this some inside joke that like five people are laughing their asses off that know John Flynn right now? <laughs> no, there will be. The, the people, most people will get it. Eddie's got like fans at home with like a little, um, oh, uh, little board where they got to play the words. They got to get the, all of them right. And they're like, oh, John Flynn hits. I win. <laughs> uh, Maybe I do, Bagman. Anything else recruiting wise that you want to hit on before we get out of here, fellas? Um, really, uh, two things. And I kind of they're on. It's on Oklahoma on the board. Um, you know, for those that aren't members that still listen to the pod. Hit us up, uh, Josh at Soonerscoop.com, or, you know, like Carrie says, my DMs are open. It's Josh underscore Scoop. Uh, you can hit us up there. We, we'll find some way to get you on the side if you're interested in signing up at this point. Ooh. We know everybody needs something to, uh, to get themselves, you know, get their mind off everything else that's going on in the world. But two things I did want to touch on that are in Oklahoma that I put up right before we started the pod. Um, Danny Stutzman, the linebacker from Florida, has uh, – put out a top six yesterday that included Oklahoma, Virginia Tech, uh, Minnesota, A&M, Oklahoma State, and West Virginia. And, I mean, you look at the list and you're like, Oklahoma sticks out from that group a little bit. Um, now, A&M's obviously, you know, recruits very well, but that, A&M's usually a bigger battle for Oklahoma when it's in Texas. Um, elsewhere, they seem to do pretty well against A&M. But what I did want to say is I have talked to a few people, and that guy is is absolutely a take for Oklahoma. He's a guy that they like a lot, um, and I think it's really a matter of convincing him that he's a priority for the class. I, I think there is some – I don't know if it's him or people around him that kind of wonder if, if Oklahoma really sees him as a priority, but I think that's a guy Oklahoma really likes. Uh, has really come on late. I'm, I'm hearing even like Clemson has started to take some note of him. So, I mean, he's a guy that is is picking up a lot of steam. And right now may not be a name that excites OU fans, but maybe six months from now when there's been more film and more evaluation, I think people might like him a little bit more. Uh, the only other one I, I wanted to talk about is JoJo Earl, the uh, wide receiver from Alito that tweeted out last night that he's announcing soon. He said it uh, right, kind of come to his. Yeah, I know. I, 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 I have to think about it. You give me all these crazy-ass names, I can get those right. But Alito, I screw up every time. I don't know why. Um, anyway, he announced last night that he is going to announce soon. I I know a lot of people had immediately kind of jumped like, oh, it's it's Oklahoma. I even had a few people hit me up like, is that what you're hearing? And it, it wasn't. He's not a name that's come up a lot for me lately. And talking to a few people, I think there is kind of, kind of like what I was saying with Stutzman, but to a different degree um, – I'm not sure how he feels about the situation at wide receiver at Oklahoma with all, you know, with Bridges, Hazelwood, uh, Weiss, and, and, you know, and Marvin Mims, obviously, last year. I think there is some concern of just being a little bit of a traffic jam, and I don't think OU is going to be the choice. I, I'm picking LSU. I feel pretty confident that that's what he's thinking right now. But, uh, you know, I just know, like I said, there's a lot of people out there listening that may be thinking OU's involved. I don't think that – I don't think OU is really among his final choices right now. And I think it's uh, it's something OU had to battle with Marvin Mims last year. So maybe maybe over time they can turn that around and change that if they want to. But at the same time, with guys like Christian Leary and some of the other receivers they're in on, Mario Williams, both those guys out of Florida, I, I think if OU could get Williams and Leary, I don't – you know, it's not to say that Earl's not a really good player they wouldn't like to have – but I think they'd be more than fine at wide receiver. 
Good stuff. Um, I, you know, we, we, we did some extra pods and, uh, I think we'll probably try and do that from time to time. Uh, I, we're even trying to set it up where, uh, I can just shut the hell up and let Bob and Josh do a pod with somebody. So maybe that will work itself out. So maybe you guys could interview, uh, Lauren Chamberlain since Eddie won't. Oh, maybe we could I didn't do say that. I wouldn't. I didn't say that. I wouldn't. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, maybe since Eddie hasn't, how about that? Uh, no, but I, I think it'd be good. You know, if we could throw some, uh, I, I think it will be good just to throw some extra pods out there from time to time, especially with everything that's going on. And, uh, once we open up the state and everyone gets really sick again and it spreads even further and we shut down again, we'll have more time to do that. Because I totally believe that's going to happen. And we'll wow. never see well, sports again. Way to take again. us out on a bang there. I'm, I'm, I just want to see the sports, Josh. I, I'm with All you. All right? I'm with this you. This is like, oh, I, like I, I'm not really that political of a person. I have opinions on certain things. But it's like people start attacking me about, oh, you liberal ass. Like, no, I'm not a liberal ass. I just want sports to come back. And if people will not stay the fuck at home, then we're not going to get sports back. It drives me insane. I just want to tell people know. I'm not being political. That seems, that seems too sane to me. That seems too reasonable to me. I guess I just need to do it. I Couldn't I start a facebook group like stay at home for sports and we can have non-rallies or maybe we lincoln, can rallies. that's what lincoln riley was doing all those psa's trying to get that through people's heads do you I think he gets seen like a single one of those of liberal PSAs. hippies where are the psa's at they were on twitter like within the first couple weeks hmm. mm-hmm. he and then of course he's got sure. this stuff like the oh the OU branded mask that he's put on Twitter like he's trying to do his part yeah I just you know I'm sympathetic to people that are out of work right now it's not a good scene but I also don't think we need to be going to bowling alleys I think we can live without those I stopped going to bowling alleys when you stopped being allowed to smoke cigarettes inside <laughs> Like, I mean, most people, if you ask, like, I'm surprised that bowling alleys even exist anymore, to be honest with you. I'm actually, that that actually was a lie. I've been to a bowling alley in, like, the last month, and it was a lot of, or I guess not the last month, the last two months. It was a lot of fun. I Every once bowling. in a while, you got to get your bowl on over off uh, Pennsylvania and Oklahoma City. I've been there many times as a kid. Some good Panther family runs it. The old Allen. Wasn't there Allen a family. Big Ed's Hamburgers right Reverse in that shopping thing. center right next to that? Still is. Still is. Yeah. The is old that the, Big Ed's the only Big Ed's that's still there? Man, I need to go up there sometime. Still there. I think I... there was one over where I grew up, off think... of 122nd and Rockwell, and uh, that one closed. And I, I think that it's the uh, the same Big Ed's. I haven't been there. I, I bet I haven't been in that building in 15 years. I bet it's been longer for me. I bet maybe that'll be the next place we. Maybe that should be the place that we do our first pod out in the wild when we have a live audience. Big Ed's Big hamburgers. Ed, try and get a thousand people in there May second. We'll give a free year subscription to anybody that can eat the Big Ed burger. 
Do they still have? Do they? I wonder. Do they still have? Do they still have the Big Ed's Challenge? I wonder. I mean, I. It's literally probably been fifteen years since I've been there, so I have no idea. Ed died. I'll go do some recon once once everything opens. I hope they're still open. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's that'd be tough. If this killed Big Ed's, I'd need to go to Taco Tico just to make sure that I get that one more time in case they go kaput. Somebody uh, tagged me on Twitter. I think it was like, it, it must have been last week, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said that they, they were at Taco Tico and just were thinking about me. I said, that's not me. Yeah, that, I know. I scary. saw that whole thing. <laughs> you lied, too. I still think it's good. No, you don't. You won't go. You won't even <laughs> go in. Like, I have to but, go in while no, you sit in the car the, and eat. That was, no, that was that was just the last time that we went there. I wasn't feeling it. I think I'm ready to get back. I'm ready to get F- back. You. You know? you're, you're such a liar. <laughs> no, I'll go eat there the next time we go to Kansas. I do, we'll that's go. not true at all. I don't believe that. Bob can't go there anyway because of his weird digestive issues. <laughs> this is true. This is very. Yeah, I'm true. not lying. See, this I'm not a. Brought. I'm not a liar like Eddie Bob. I'm not going to lie about <laughs> things. But something tells me. But something tells me that Bob has just said this. So uh, he, he's running a Long Kong game. I don't know what. So he can control where we eat every time we go yeah. on a road trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's what's going on. You call me the liar, but he, Bob's just conning us a little bit. Genius, Bob. It was, just it was genius. It was worth it to be in the hospital three days and have that hospital bill <laughs> all for the Long Kong. I knew it. Bob just had half of his intestines taken out for no reason, just to. <laughs> To be able to control Bob, dinner for the rest of his life. Bob is Kaiser Soze. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, I'm going to stop before I get in trouble. Because I can feel it coming. <laughs> so, all right. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, we'll be back. We'll keep doing this every week. Uh, you know, even though we're throwing in extra pods here and there when we can, we'll continue to stay current, you know, or on track with the. Uh, midweek uh, unofficial 40 so don't worry about that so thanks to everybody for listening thanks to josh thanks to eddie thanks to bob and we'll be back here next week once again for the unofficial 40 from soonerscoop.com